Welcome to the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church Podcast, where the Reverend Leo R. Thomas is our pastor. As a church, we desire to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all are saved. We hope that you're encouraged by this message. I said, praise the Lord, family. Come on and give God a hand praise. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I said, I will rejoice. I said, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen, amen, amen. We thank God. We praise him for allowing us to see another day in which we've not seen before. We give him thanks. We glorify his name. For God has saw fit to spare us one more time. To the ministers that are here, to our audio and video people, to our praise team members, to our musicians, to the deacons that are in the house, we thank God for all of you who've come out this morning in order that we might continue the work of ministry, even at such a trying time as this. Before we enter further into worship, we want to be mindful of the sick, the shut-in, we're praying this morning for Sister Evelyn Mitchell. We're praying this morning for Sister Kathleen Overter. We're praying this morning for Brother James Ridgeway. We're praying this morning for Sister Talia White. We're praying for the bereaved hearts of Minister Keziah Daniels, lost a great aunt this past week. Sister Melvia Taylor lost her niece this past week, and of course, we're continuing to pray for the Clark family, for all of you who came out this past week to celebrate the homegoing celebration, the life, and the legacy of our brother, Deacon Richard Clark. We thank you. I know that it was a great sacrifice for many of you. We started at 9 o'clock on Wednesday morning out in the great city of Bloomington, Fontana. Uh, so for many of the people who were part of the ministry here, had to drive a long way, but we appreciate it. I know the family was encouraged by your presence there, and that all you did to celebrate our brother and our friend. Continue to pray for that family, uh, if you will. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. We're going to prepare ourselves now to go into prayer. I ask that you would pray with me as we beseech the Lord on behalf of those who stand in the need of prayer. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we come acknowledging you, Lord, we come calling upon your name. Because, God, we stand in the need this morning of beseeching you, Lord God, on behalf of those who are sick and shut in, those who are bereaved, those who lay on beds of affliction, those whose hearts are heavy because of the loss of a loved one. God, we ask this morning that you would forgive us of our sins, forgive us of our indiscretions, forgive us of our frailties and our faults, our failures. For we know, Lord, if we were to keep score, we would mark down this past week that we missed the mark, that we've done some things and said some things and thought some things that are unbecoming of Christian men and Christian women. And in order, Lord God, that we come to you with a pure heart, we confess before you, Lord God, our wrongness, the bitterness of our character. We pray right now that you would purge us with hyssop. Wash us, Lord God, that we would be whiter than snow, that our prayers be not hindered. God, we come praying this morning for every church that's opened in your name. Everybody who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Every pastor, every preacher, every teacher in the kingdom, Lord God. All musicians and choir members, Lord God, deacons, deaconess, trustees. All of those, Lord God, who work in the kingdom. Ushers and first aiders, Lord God. Audio and video people, Lord God. All of those who call upon your name, Lord, and desire to do the work of ministry, touch right now. Let them know, Lord God, that you're still here in the blessing business. 
Pray for our president this morning, Lord God. Pray, Lord God, that you would correct and convict his heart. We pray, Lord God, that you would speak from heaven and teach him by way of your word what it means to love thy neighbor, what it means to honor your holy name, what it means to show civility and respect to others. Touch him, Lord God, and all of those who prop him up and turn a blind eye to his behavior. God, we pray for the upcoming election. We pray that people would take the time out to vote. We pray that we would exercise our democratic right to be a part of the determining process of who the next president of these United States of America will be. Encourage those, Lord God, whose continent has fallen, those who are downtrodden because of all that's going on around us. Your word reminds us that perilous times are coming. Help us, Lord God, that we would lean on you even the more. We would hold on to your unchanging hand as you guide us through, as you lead us through, as you maneuver through all of the foolishness that's going on in this world. And we believe when it's all said and done, we'll be able to just praise and to worship your holy name for all of the lessons that we've learned and the new testimonies in which we've gained. Now, God, set the preacher down. Stand your word up on the pedestal of my personality. Pray if there's someone listening today who does not know you in the pardon of their sins. And at the conclusion of the spoken word, they would bow their heads, that they would surrender their hearts unto thee. We ask these and all blessings in Jesus, our Savior's name. Let all the people of God say, amen. Amen. Come on and give God a hand praise. We're blessing him today because he continues to bless us. Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles, family. Grab your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 1. We're still in the book of Romans. In the book of Romans, we are still journeying through chapter 1. There's so much in the book of Romans. And I believe we'd be hard-pressed to get through all of it, but we're going to go as far as God would allow us to go. And then we may have to pick back up a latter date. I want to read for you Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Those of you who are Bible students, sound doctrinally, we know that 16 and 17 go together based on its context. But there was so much in 16 last week and so much in 17 this week. The Lord has blessed and given us the discernment to separate the two. So this week, I just want to deal with 17, 17. And here's what thus saith the Lord. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let me read that once again. This is Romans chapter 1, verse 17. The Bible says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. From that one verse, I want to use as a topic, as a focal point this morning, there's nothing else like it. There's nothing else like it. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. There's nothing else. Nothing else you can compare it with or compare it to. It stands on its own. Last week, God allowed us to delve into 
fundamental facts about the gospel. And from that message, we discovered some basic elements that are integral to our full comprehension of the authority and the power that exist in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is nothing like it in the world. It is a book that stands on its own. There are no motivational books. There are no empowerment books. There are no cookbooks or checkbooks that are able to compare to the good book. The good book of the gospel stands on its own. And when we survey the current landscape, for many of us, it is difficult to ascertain why and how there can be so much division, so much dissension, and so much disunity among so many. Strife and fear appear to be running amok. And if there was ever a time in the history of mankind that we stand in need of the Lord, as the old song goes, we sure do need him now. And if we recognize that we need God, it is incumbent upon us to turn to God. The Bible tells us in Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2, I will lift up my eyes unto the hill. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This verse here, to lift up, can be taken literally and or figuratively. Literally, in Jerusalem, in the not-so-far distance, you had Mount Zion and Mount Moriah. So if someone was standing in Jerusalem, they would look up to Mount Zion and Mount Moriah and pass them figuratively. They're looking into heaven from which their help comes from God. But it is a different thing to know that we need God versus seeking God. And many people are keenly aware of the misplaced spiritual condition of our country, and yet we hope and wish for things to get better, to no avail. Unless God is invited back into his rightful place, into the lives of men and women, we are spinning our wheels. We have lost our civility, our common courtesy, our graciousness towards others. We have pushed the things of God so far to the back of our consciousness that we can no longer hear his voice. The question that we must ask today, brothers, sisters, men, women, boys, and girls, is where is the church in the midst of all of the chaos? Where are those who say they stand for God? Where are the people who have surrendered their lives to him and yet remain silent. It is high time for us to change our behavior and to get busy for the things of God. The question then becomes is then how do we fight this spiritual warfare that is raging in this great country in which we live? Should we take up arms and stand behind and defend the Second Amendment? Should we go out and march, or should we come into conflict with those who are supporters of the other side, those who are the conservative, or those who are the liberals, those who are the Republicans, or those who are the Democrats, those 
who are the blacks and those who are the... How do we influence this world which appears to be losing its mind? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. The way that we influence the world is by way of the word of God. Why? Because there's nothing else like it. It is the word of God that has the power to change the trajectory of a wayward spirit. The Bible says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? It is by heeding the word of God. So what is it that makes the word so different? What is it that makes it so unique? What is it that gives it such power and authority? How is it that the word of God has the ability to change the hearts of lost people? Let let me share with you two things, two things from verse 17 that I believe that if you get it in your spirit, it will give you added ammunition for the spiritual warfare in which we are facing. And whether you know it or not, no matter what side of the track you stand on, we are in the midst of a battle. We're in the midst of a war. We're in the midst of warfare. The battle is raging all around us, and it's time for the people of God to be able to stand firm on the Word of God, knowing that we have power and authority in high places that's able to deal with the enemy that's running rampant in this world. Is there anybody who realizes it's going to get worse before it gets better unless the people of God are grounded and able to stand firm on the things of God knowing that God has not brought us this far to leave us now? Can you feel him? Can you hear him? Do you know his presence? God is still here and he's waiting for us to lift up our heads unto the heat knowing from whence cometh our help. There are two things in verse 17, two things, two things that I believe will enlighten us, encourage us, inspire us to continue in the battle. The Bible says in the A portion of verse 17 of Romans chapter 1, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Hmm. The first thing that we have to understand about the gospel, the first thing that we have to clearly concretize in our minds that makes it different to the degree there's nothing else like it, is the gospel has the utmost integrity. Ah, The gospel has the utmost integrity. In a day and time where it appears everybody's lying. In a day and time where it appears that everybody is misrepresenting. In a day and time where it appears that everybody is embellishing for their own purposes and their own gain. The gospel has the utmost integrity. The word righteousness, dikaiosine, means the state in which God commands or appoints. The Bible says, for therein, in the gospel of God, the New Living Translation reads this way, the good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. Where the Bible says for therein, it means therein the gospel. It is talking about the word of God. But this word righteousness, dikaiosine, means a state in which God commands and or appoints. Because God himself is the standard for believers. The government is not the standard bearer on the character and the integrity of the church of God. Those who are in the world cannot stand and influence us from a spiritual perspective because they are not 
the standard. God is the standard. And if you want to know what God thinks and what God feels and what God wants, you have to read God's word. The Bible is not about Jesus. The Bible is Jesus. And therefore, he is our standard bearer. He is the one who tells me how to treat my wife. He is the one who tells me how to raise my kids. He is the one who tells me how to respect my resources. He is the one who tells me how to deal with my neighbor. He is the one who tells me how to walk in a dark world. He is the one who tells me how to call upon his name in the midnight hour. God is my standard bearer, not the president, not the potential president, not the senators, not the councilmen, not the governors, not the mayors, not the musicians, not the TV personalities, but God himself is my standard bearer. Is there anybody that realizes that God is the one who sets the standard and sets the tempo for his people? And when God sets the standard, the standard cannot be overturned. It cannot be forsaken. It cannot be dropped off by the wayside. You've got to pick up the standard of God and walk with it if you want to be pleasing unto him. This word righteousness means that it comes from and belongs to the God that we serve. W.H. Griffith Thomas said this of this of this verse and I quote righteousness means conformity to that which is right that is to the divine claims on man righteousness is that which God has and God gives and God is the righteousness which God is in himself provides by way of his son Jesus Christ it must be accepted by faith for on the soul and simple condition of trust God will reinstate man in righteousness I close quote the gospel has great revealing qualities about it that makes it different than any other book. The Bible does not have to know all of the nuances of your behavior and yet it's able to speak to you in the point of your need. You would think that there are times when we are preaching and times when we are teaching and times when we are praying that we've been eavesdropping on your life. But the fact of the matter is is the gospel of Jesus Christ has revealing qualities about it. God tells us what to say and when to say it. And just because it feels like we're stepping on your toes, trust me when I say it is not because that is our intention, but the fact of the matter is God has to send a word unto his people in order to get them to act right. And there are too many believers who are acting wrong. There are too many believers that are going astray. There are too many believers that have fell by the wayside. But the righteousness of God is what we need in order to pick ourselves up and to get back in the race. You do realize we're in a race, which means you're supposed to be moving, which means you're supposed to be progressing, which means that you're supposed to be going forward perpetually and incrementally, but you ought to be up and moving. If you can run, you ought to run. If you have to walk, you have to walk. If you can crawl, you got to crawl, but you still should be moving in the things of God. The righteousness of God reveals unto us some things. And the word reveal in the Greek is apocalypto. It is where we get our word apocalypse. It means to reveal those things which are hidden. And you have some hidden things in your life. There are some hidden things going on in the world. And guess what? God is revealing some stuff to us. Just maybe, just maybe, that's the reason we're still 
still in the midst of a pandemic because God is trying to reveal some things to you and reveal some things unto me. The gospel is revealed unto us because God uses his word to draw us back unto him. Music will not make you righteous. Being on the usher board will not make you righteous. As a matter of fact, being in the pulpit will not make you righteous. But the word of God has the utmost integrity. You may like fellowshipping with brotherhood and sisterhood, but that does not make you righteous. It is by way of the word of God that convicts your heart and your mind that you began to see yourself the way God sees you. This is why some people in church, they hope and they, they pray and they say that they're standing on the promises of God and yet their lives does not reflect the righteousness of the God that we serve. They will take anything and fall for anything. They let anything into their homes. They let anybody be around them. Well, don't you know that the integrity of the gospel will call things out to me in order for me to have the discernment to see them as they really are. There are some people that ought not to be in your life. There are some people you ought not to be around because for every step you take forward, they pull you back two more steps. They're always reminding you of what we used to do and reminding you of where we used to go and reminding you of how we used to act. But the fact of the matter is I'm righteous now and therefore I have to walk in the things of the God that I serve. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? We got to walk in the things of God. Can you hear me? We have to change our behavior. Can you hear me? The word of God, the gospel of God has the utmost integrity. It's truthful. It's right. It's sound. It's doctrinal, and everything in it is yea and amen. Not some of the gospel, but all of the gospel. Many of us face some setbacks in this life, some frustrations in this life, some irritations, some annoyances. But when you are saturated in the gospel of God, you're able to see the right from the wrong and the good from the bad. Because the gospel has the utmost integrity. It stands on its own. The gospel of God is untainted. The gospel of God is undefiled. The gospel of God is unblemished. The gospel is the unadulterated word of the true and the living God. And it exists in order that sinners might be saved. Back in verse 16 of this same chapter, we learned that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Let me speak for a second about salvation because I purposely did not deal with it last week because I wanted to push it by way of the Spirit into this week's message. When we speak of salvation, family, the word is an all-inclusive word which comprises all of the redemptive acts and processes of biblical nomenclature stated and or implied. It includes justification. It includes redemption. It includes grace. It includes propitiation. It includes imputation. It includes forgiveness. It includes sanctification. It includes glorification. Therefore, the gospel notifies us 
because of our need to know what is wrong and what is sinful. That hinders our ability to come into the salvation that is offered of God. The gospel is the neon lights of the God that we serve unto mankind and God's righteousness is antithetical and in opposition of that which is lawless and that which is sinful. In other words, if I understand salvation and I've become saved, if I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, it does not mean that you're perfect. It does mean that when you do wrong, there is a conviction that takes place in your spirit. The Holy Spirit tells you, you should not have done that. You should not have said that. You should not have behaved that way. Salvation is the thing that God offers by way of the gospel because he informs us of his son, Jesus Christ. The integrity of the gospel is reflective of the righteousness of God. And Paul's letter continues to speak about righteousness throughout the entirety of the book of Romans. And family, let me tell you, when it comes to the righteousness of God, the Bible tells us how we need it, how we obtain it, how we live by it. And in this introductory comment of the letter, Paul prepares his readers to know that there is no righteousness without the gospel. And there is no gospel without Jesus Christ. What is the purpose for inviting Jesus in and not sending sin out? You cannot stay within your sinful nature and invite God in because God chases away sin and sin and Christ cannot dwell in the same place. How can sweet water and bitter water run in the same stream? Either you're for me or you're against me. There is no in-between. There is no lukewarm. Either you're hot or you're cold. The gospel, there's nothing else like it. Why, Pastor? Because the gospel has the utmost integrity. There's nothing misstated in it. There's nothing misrepresented in it. There are no embellishments and inferences. It is strictly what it is. And that is the power of God unto salvation. The Bible tells us before we move in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It's important that you and I understand that in a wrong world, God is always right. That in a sinful world, we're to stand as pillars for the gospel. Not as caterpillars, but as pillars. We're to stand up and call wrong, wrong. And we're to stand up and call right, right. And we're not supposed to close our mouths and button our lips when we see injustices of any kind. The gospel, there's nothing else like it. First and foremost, because the gospel has the utmost integrity. But then here's the second thing, family. The Bible goes on to say, as it is written, the just the saints, the believers, Mount Sinai members, musicians, choir members, ushers, deacons, 
preachers, audio video, youth choir shall live by faith. It does not say we're going to try to live by faith. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who are looking for a little wiggle room, it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. Read your Bible. It's not there. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. It says at is as it, it is written. It's written in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3, the first time it is mentioned in the Old Testament that the just shall live by faith. Whether we are willing to admit it or not, family, listen to me, we have a serious problem. Yeah, we have a serious problem, and I'm not talking about the election. I'm talking about we as individuals have a serious problem because we believe that we are good enough and that there is no need to do anything different because we are sufficient enough to receive and accept the grace of God in which he offers un. To us. We are convinced that God is a rewarder of effort rather than a rewarder of results. Mm. One of my favorite sayings in business is, I thank you for your effort. I reward you for your results. We believe that we can just put forth effort. And that's acceptable to the God that we serve. The just shall live by faith. It is not talking about putting forth an effort. It is talking about the actuality of how you behave, how you act, how you think, and how you move in this world. The Bible tells us the just shall live by faith. When the gospel is accepted, it creates within mankind a repented spirit. And with repentance comes cleansing and comes righteousness. Colossians 1.9 says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, when we have unconfessed sin, that means we have within us unrighteousness and therefore we have to confess it unto God in order that he would forgive us of our sins and cleanse us to take away, to erase to remove the unrighteousness that is in us. The gospel has the utmost impact because when a person becomes saved, he or she is given the power, they've given the authority to live a different life which will be better and holier than that which they lived before. That's the reason the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The word new in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, means that you are and that I am qualitatively new. It means that we are no longer impaired. It means that we are no longer operating in the old nature. The amplified version of that verse says, therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creature, a new creature all together. The old, the previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Point to your neighbor and tell them you're fresh and you're clean. You're fresh and you're clean if you're saved. Come on, somebody. You're fresh and you're clean because you're saved. You ain't the same old person that you used to be. You're not the same old person that was out there tripping and acting a fool. You're 
not the same person that was cursing, that was sipping and dipping. You ain't the same person that was sleeping around. You're not the same person that was acting and caught up in the foolishness of the world. You used to be a gangbanger. You used to be a drug addict. You used to be an alcoholic. You used to be a whoremonger. But now you're righteous because the righteousness of God had an impact on your life. Is there anybody that can testify it impacted me? When I read about the gospel, when I read about Jesus, when I read about how he sacrificed, when I read how he suffered, when I read how he died, when I read how they put him in a borrowed tomb, when I read how he stayed there Friday and stayed there Saturday and got up early on Sunday morning. It impacted my life. I said it impacted me. I can't speak for nobody else, but it impacted my life. Is there anybody that's different because of the righteousness of God? Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't act the same. Why? Because you're in love under new management. Shout out to Mickey Howard. You're in love under new management. And because you are, you act differently. The gospel has the utmost impact. It changed my life. Stop being the old dude at the club. Trying to figure out why you can't get no play. Why can't I pray like they pray? Why can't I praise like they praise? Why can't I worship like they... Maybe it's time to put on some new garments some new clothes. Maybe it's time to take off the old and to put on the new so you can walk in the newness of God. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, and we're done. It says, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. It says put on. In other words, if you are operating in unrighteousness, it's because you have failed to put on the new man in order that you might walk in righteousness and in holiness. In other words, there are some people who are struggling not because life has dealt them a bad hand, because they've made a choice, a conscious decision not to put on the new man. And my God, if we could reach them today, I'm telling you the new version of me is so much better than the old version of me. The new me is positive. The new me is optimistic. The new me has discernment. The new me operates in faith. The new me will praise God anywhere at any time under any circumstances. The new me will go out of my way to express compassion for those who are in need. The new me is able to pray my way out of some situations. The new me is willing to block some things out of my mind and to lay some things down by the wayside. There's something about being new in Christ. Changes your perspective. The gospel is nothing else like it. It has the utmost integrity. I'm telling you, it's sound. You don't even have to weigh it. It's guaranteed to be 16 ounces to every pound. You ain't even got to put it on the scale. But for those of you who say, no, I got to try it. I got to check it out for myself. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth him. Bible has integrity. 
You can never accuse God of plagiarism. <laughs> yeah. He ain't the bestseller now. He been the bestseller forever. That's the God that we serve. The gospel has the utmost integrity. But lastly, the gospel has the utmost impact. The just shall live by The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. You got to get up and walk in the things of God. The thing that I love about him is I can always use his word back to him. God, you said you'd restore my soul and lead me in the path of righteousness. You said, if anyone be against me, you said that you would stand with me, never forsake me, never leave me. You said that no weapon formed. You said this. I didn't say this. I didn't come up with that. I didn't dream this up. You told me that I could call upon your name even in the midnight hour and you would be there. But I have to walk in the righteousness of God. I cannot do wrong, live wrong, think wrong, behave wrong, and expect God to rain down choice blessings upon me. But if I live right, and if I think right, and if I act right, and I grab a hold of God's word, and I walk with it in every aspect of my life, God promises me that the just shall live by faith. And let me go back for one second and we're done. It says that God is revealed from faith to faith. That means beginning faith all the way to the end of your faith and everything in between. Don't you know it would not be enough just to have faith when you enter into the race and have faith when you exit out of the race? Because if the truth be told, if you keep living, every day you need a measure of faith just to make it through. I, I know I'm not the only one. Every day I need some faith just to get up and depend on God and lean on God and press into God. It's from the beginning faith to the end faith. The gospel. There's nothing else like it. And if you receive that word, you ought to give God some praise. There's nothing else like it. There's nothing else like it. There's nothing else like it. For those of you who are watching us, of course, we don't know your situation. We don't know your circumstance. It's obvious that you've had your interest peaked in some way because you're watching us today. But watching is not surrendering. Watching is not salvation. Watching does not give you access to the Holy Spirit of God. You have to make a conscious decision. You have to surrender your life to him and invite him in to your life. Pray with us today. God, we thank and praise you. We bless you. We honor you, Lord God, for all that you are and for all that you do. God, we believe that there's a potential that somebody is watching us today. It may be someone who's never surrendered their lives unto you, but their curiosity has been peace. There's something, Lord God, or someone who 
has encouraged them to listen in today. We pray right now, Lord God, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way, that you convict their hearts and their minds, cause them, Lord God, to turn to Romans 10, 9, and 10. Cause them, Lord God, to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and to believe in their heart that God has raised him from the dead. And your word says we'll be saved. Perhaps there's someone here, Lord God, who is wayward. Perhaps there's someone here who's out of church, Lord God. They're saved. They know you. They know you, Lord. They've surrendered their lives unto you, but for whatever reason, they're out of church. They're out of ministry. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would lead them in the direction of Mount Sinai, if it be your will. We stand today with our hearts, our arms are open, our doors are open. And God, we pray that they would just put one foot in front of the other. Reach out by way of email. Reach out and message us, Lord God. And convict them to want to be a part of the ministry. Therefore, when we open back up, Lord, they can come publicly before the congregation and confess and profess their desire to be a member of this church. Now, God, continue to bind us by the blood of Christ. Continue to keep us, Lord God, until we're able to meet once again face to face. We'll be careful to give you praise, to give you honor, and to give you glory. It's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, that we ask these and all blessings. Let all the people of God say, amen, amen, amen. Come on and give God another hand, praise. All right, all right, we're ready to get out of here. Listen, family. Don't forget to continue to join us. There's two ways you can listen to us each week. You can listen by way of podcast and or you can listen and see us by way of YouTube. But stay in touch with us. For those of you who are members, listen, some of you I haven't seen on Bible study. We've been doing Zoom Bible study every Wednesday. We want to see you. Don't forget about us. Amen. We appreciate you. We love you. Listen, family, in this 2020 experience and all of your doing, all of your being, all of your getting, don't forget. God will be glorified. God bless you. Hello, family. It's Pastor Thomas, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. We pray that something was said that encouraged and inspired your heart during this difficult time. I pray that you are being strong and that your spiritual resolve is being fortified and strengthened during this difficult time. To the Mount Sinai family, we want to encourage you, if you've not done so yet, to make sure that as you go on to the website, that you would take a moment to go on and hit the PayPal button and that you would send your tithes and your offerings to the church. We are still a church body and we are still in need of the financial support in which you provide on a consistent and regular basis. If you do not feel comfortable by sending your tithes and offerings by way of PayPal, you can feel free to send a money order or a check or a cashier's check to the church. Uh, attention, uh, our secretary, Sister Lydia Haley, she'll make sure that the deacons get it. We ask that you please do not send cash to the church. And then also we want to encourage those of you who are listening in other states and other countries, we want to thank you for tuning in. I pray that you are encouraged today by that which you've heard. And also, uh, for those of you who are unchurched and unsaved, I pray that this not take the place of uh, a local ministry for you, but that you would go and find a Bible preaching, Bible teaching, and God-fearing church to join with and become a part of that you might go forth sowing much fruit in the kingdom of God. Family, we love you and we thank God for you. And remember, God will be glorified. Thank you.